Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open the Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is June 19th, and our reading comes from Acts chapter 13. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, Among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, Menean, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man, and the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you'll be struck blind. You'll not see sunlight for some time, and instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eye, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take him by the hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Now, in this story, there are several things I want to highlight that it might be easy to miss. First, in verses 1 through 3, we see that in the early church, in leadership, there is already diversity, which I think is so important. The second person mentioned is Simon. And in your translation, it may say Niger, it may say black man. What I think is beautiful about this passage is that in the early church, there's already diversity, and the diversity is not become a hindrance. They're rallying, they're united around Jesus and the mission. So they're praying together, they're fasting together, they're listening to God's voice together, and then they decide together to send out Barnabas and Saul and to lay their hands on them and bless them as they go. I love that. Then Barnabas and Saul go, and they go to meet this governor. And when they meet the governor, there's a sorcerer who's trying to keep the governor from hearing the gospel. And now there's a demonstration of power, right? You remember the promise in Acts 1.8? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll receive power for what purpose? To be my witness. Well, this sorcerer is trying to stop the witness, right? And so Saul has this power, pronounces judgment on the sorcerer, and he's 
blinded. It kind of reminds me of the Jewish people who have rejected the Messiah, are trying to stomp out the early church, and were spiritually blind. And we need to pray that God would open the eyes of the Jewish people and open the eyes of unbelievers around the world to hear and to understand the truth. But there's a display of power, and then they preach the message, and the governor gives his life to Jesus. He's saved. He believes in the Lord. He's amazed by the gospel message. So once again, we see this display of power, but I think it's so interesting. It happens in the context of humility and unity, right? At the beginning of the chapter, you've got diversity and yet unity, and that honors God. I just love that. And then at the end, you have this humility. Now, one of the ways that we see the humility is if you notice in verse 9, it says, Saul, also known as Paul. And from this moment on, he will be referred to as Paul. Now, Saul is simply his Hebrew name. Paul is his Roman name. Now, that's important for two reasons. Number one, by calling himself Paul, he's identifying with his audience. He's identifying with the Romans. He's identifying with the Gentiles. I'm reminded of of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 19 through 23, where Paul says, I become all things to all men that I might win some. And so this is a perfect picture of that. Paul embraces his Roman name in order to connect with the Romans rather than giving the impression, I'm Jewish and I'm super spiritual and I'm different from you. He identifies with them and basically by changing his names, he's saying, no, I'm just like you. I need Jesus too, right? And then the second thing that I think is just so powerful that shows his humility is that the word Paul actually means little, small. So it's like he's taking this position of humility, and in his humility, God can trust him with power because it's obvious it's not about Saul. It's about Jesus. And we just have to keep that in mind. The power of God is not for our agenda, and it's not for our kingdom, not for our exaltation, but it's for the glory of God. It's to lift up Jesus. So we have unity in diversity, and we have humility, and then we have an outpouring of power, and we have a person who gives their life to Jesus. Man, let's pray that that would be true for us, that there'd be unity despite our diversity. Man, diversity is a beautiful thing. Just remember, all of the diversity we see around the world, God engineered into the genetic code. God created Adam and Eve with that diversity. In the kingdom of God, there will be great diversity. But our unity comes not from our difference. Our unity comes as we rally around the person and the mission of Jesus. And they're doing that beautifully in the early church. And then our power comes from our humility, recognizing it's not about me. It's not for my glory. It's for his glory. It's not so people would see me. It's so they would see Jesus. And this results in people giving their lives to Jesus. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would be united as a church. Unity is so powerful. And God, I pray that we would unite around the person and the mission of Jesus 
in the midst of our diversity that we would embrace and celebrate and love the diversity and unite around the person and mission of Jesus. God, I pray that we would have humility, that like Paul, that we would recognize we need to become small and you need to become large, that in our humility, we can be trusted with your power in your kingdom. God, you've promised the Holy Spirit has come upon us, all of us, not just the apostles, but all of us to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. So God, help us to see people around us that we need to connect with, who need Jesus, who are open to the gospel. And Lord, give us the humility to serve them and to love them and to recognize it's not about us. It's about pointing people to Jesus. Anoint us to do it. Thank you for your power and presence to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. Hope you have a great day. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.